Hej och välkommen till en ny episode av Pelkvarteret med mig Lars Sivatsen i samarbete med Betsson. Vi ska ha en chapsson engelsk podd denne gangen för jag har kommit massa nya spelare till Premier League övergångsfönster. Jag har fått med mig en man som vet mer än de flesta om det allra mesta. Jag har fått med mig Mr Andy Russell så då tar vi resten på engelsk. Tack så Hi Andy, I just I just introduced you as someone who knows more about most things than most people. I think that that's fair, isn't it? I feel that's a lot of pressure and uh, you know in in future don't don't translate because I'm trying to learn Norwegian. All right, well, it is the language of love, as you know. But it, it, but just generally speaking, I try to stay abreast of the big sort of European leagues. But you sort of somehow managed to be completely au fait with like Portugal and Turkey and all these sort of things as well. I have no idea how you do it. But for those who don't know, of course, Andy speaks Portuguese. You've been sort of embedded with the Portuguese team at international tournaments. So you know that scene really well. And which is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. Because we've had a, quite a few sort of Portuguese type of players turn up to the league this summer and not just at Wolves. And uh, now, I will might not be the biggest story but because I it's my pod I have all the power I'm going to ask you about Vinicius first <laughs> because I've watched Carlos Vinicius a few times not as many as you my impression is he's a guy who's pretty big but still quite quick uh, not the tidiest technical player in the world but but a decent finisher so he could maybe do a job for Spurs am I am I am I on to something there Yeah I think you are Lars and I think when you look at how much difficulty there is in recruiting for that particular position at the moment and I don't just mean centre forward I mean backing up Harry Kane and I think if you go back and look at say when Barcelona had the MSN front three and they were looking for backup they tried to sign Alex Lacazette and he said no because he didn't want to be a reserve there and just play 15 games a a season I think because so many teams go with just one central striker nowadays even if it's part of a front three um it's it's really really hard i think for clubs of that top bracket to get players who are of a good enough quality to get in their team who will be happy to know they are first change is is really really hard to do so with that in mind <clears throat> tottenham i think have done pretty much as well as they could have done i think uh vinicius is is someone who's different from harry kane so potentially they could play together a little bit as 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 well um but he had a tremendous season at, at benfica and um <clears throat> i've seen it spun in in some places as well you know well, he was he, he didn't start benfica's first couple of games of the season he was on the bench well yeah there are a couple of reasons for that one because they heavily invested in the squad two because he was going so they didn't really want to um disrupt the, the the flow of the team and i think the other thing is bear in mind Raul Jimenez was never a regular starter for Benfica he was only ever a bench player so that's really no measure of looking at what the impact he'll have on the on, on the premier league is so I, i think i think your assessment is a good one i think the fact that he's he's quick and really good in the air he's, he's an absolutely tremendous finisher and you know he scored goals for for Rio Ave before which considering um they're you know not having the same strength as as, as Benfica I think is is really really impressive as well he scored a ton of goals for, for for Benfica last season he can score all types of goals you're not getting as much from him outside the penalty box as Harry Kane but you know i i don't think you can expect an actual like for like and like i said maybe you don't want one as well 
No, and it just seems to me, since he is both physically strong and fast, he, he gets the sort of target man properties that Jose Mourinho wants yeah. without losing the strength on the counter-attack that Tottenham have. So that seems to be very uh, tiny. The guy who I guess should have been top line, but he wasn't because I can do these sort of things. I'm, I'm a power-drunk podcast man. Uh, <laughs> I guess Ruben Diaz is the biggest deal, right? I mean, the man yeah. who's been tasked with fixing Man City's defensive woes, that's a pretty big job. Is he up to it, Andy? For one man, I'm not sure any one man is is, is up to it, um, because it's, it's system and structure as well. I, you know, what I would have loved to see in a different time, if it had been a bit fitter, is Vincent Company able to partner Diash and bring him into the, 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 the team. That would have been tremendous. Ruben Diash is not only a very, very good player, who I think... Um, can go a long way for Manchester City and I think he'll end up being Portugal captain unless anything goes horribly wrong um, he's a departure for them because he's a defender who likes defending he doesn't give the ball away of course much because well you couldn't play for Benfica if you did because so much of the game is about recycling because a lot of those games you're you're, you're cruising through they're so much better than the, the, the opposition and you know there are relatively few high intensity games where teams are actually going to attack Benfica in the, in, in the domestic league um, but he's he's someone who has always had that elegance has always had that leadership has always been strong and good in the air but when he first got into the, the, the Benfica team that idea that you have to keep the game flowing and because he'd come through the youth academy come out of the youth academy at Sexal and th- there was there was that sense that maybe he needed to toughen himself up a little bit for the first team. And so the coaching staff said to him a couple of games in, you can actually tackle people, you know, come on, <laughs> get stuck in. And he was like, okay, I will. <laughs> and then he went, this is great. I love it. <laughs> so what I'm getting at really, he's someone who relishes the defensive bits of defending the bits that if you go back to Guardiola's first season in England, he was derided for ta- saying that tackling is a last resort, which I kind of, you know, I see what he was getting at and tackling should be a last resort. But um, the fact that Ruben Diaz and all the other defenders who they're looking at, like Koulibaly, like Jose Mille Jimenez, like uh, Jules Koundé, all those are proper defenders, not just guys who are midfielders who are there to defend by keeping the ball. Uh, you know, he's, he's moving away maybe. Guardiola from that, Mascherano, um, Kimmich, even Fernandinho going into becoming a defender sort of model and getting someone who's a dedicated defender. Now, one guy's not going to do it all on his own and we've seen a lot of players, a lot of really good defenders who've had absolutely horrendous opening spells in the Premier League because I think it's very, very hard to adjust to. But given that he does enjoy the defensive part of it so much, the nuts and bolts part of it so much, I think he'd do very well. And he's a leader. It's exciting to see Pep Guardiola sign a defender who's an actual defender. I mean, that's, that's good. So, since we're talking uh, Portugal stuff, it's really hard to get away from Wolves. I've joked about it, obviously, but, you know, they have signed a few few Portuguese players. It wouldn't be a transfer window if they didn't. Let, let's start with Nelson Semedo, I think, because uh, when he went there, I think there was a sense that they've downgraded from... They, they've taken... Anyway, they've lost Gary Doherty, mm. and they've signed uh, a right-back who... 
you know, they had some doubts about it at Barcelona, I think it's fair to say. And it was even suggested that George Mendes has done Barcelona a solid here because he's gotten them a pretty big fee for a player they weren't that keen on. Now, I would like to turn that on its head and say whatever you say about Semedo, at least he's a physical specimen and playing as a wing-back for Wolves in a more sort of topsy-turvy league, perhaps that'll suit him. Maybe he can be better for Wolves than he was at Barcelona. Yeah, and I think that's a, a, a point to make. Just because he couldn't totally convince at Barcelona doesn't mean he can't be a very very good Premier League player indeed and you know Barcelona whenever they went into transfer negotiations involving Nelson Semedo they were never going to give him away so this predates the interest of of Wolves the fact that they've valued him pretty highly that he had discussions with Atletico Madrid and they were nowhere near coming towards the value of him and this is going back what a year so um, I think there was there, there was a sense that he was a good right back but not quite the right back for them perhaps because the thing you've got to bear in mind with Nelson Smedic he can actually defend as well which is is something that's really useful and really underrated in a in, in a modern fullback um I'm not sure I quite see the gap in valuation between him and Gary Doherty uh, that feels like quite a chasm to me and it doesn't feel like quite that much of an upgrade but look, if they get the best of Nelson Semedo that, that he showed at times at Barcelona and at the back end of while he was at Benfica, I think he'll do very well. What I always liked about Semedo, if we go back pre-Barcelona, is the fact that he wasn't someone who shot into the first team when he was like 16, 17. He was someone who took his time, played a lot of games at B level, um, really learnt the game. And I think he'll be someone who really commits to learning to play the Premier League way and to play in the Wolves way. I, th- I, th- I think he'll do okay. Yeah, so pretty positive about Semedo. Wolves have, of course, also signed a pair of small Portuguese children, as is their want. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen much of them because they're quite young. They haven't played this much. But Vitinha and uh, Fabio Silva, I understand they're very highly rated. And while Wolves have spent a significant chunk of money on them, they're players who, who could have a big future, am I right? Yeah, that they are. And I, I'd, I'd be lying to sit here and say... I'd seen loads of them because no one who watches first team football in Portugal has you know Fabio Silva is someone who um, they, they thought would, would would have a big future they were very keen to play more in the first team but he's only had a handful of appearances so far and I think Porto it says something about their financial health that basically they're in a position where if they've got anyone of value and there's interest they kind of have to sell. That's their thing. I mean, it goes back to years and years ago when you think um, Andrew Gomes played 15 games for Benfica and you've got Bernardo Silva played one <laughs> before he went off to Monaco. And that was something that you know, fans feel quite sore about. I think Portuguese fans accept that like, if, if a player blows up for them, he's going to get sold. That's how Portuguese football economics works. But you want him, like if he's come through your club want him to play a bit you want to have some memories like Benfica with Renato Sanchez for example that's a bit further down the line post Jorge Jesus I suppose so um, yeah it's, it's, it's a pity in a way that they've moved on I kind of wonder how it's going to go with Fabio Silva I do think he can handle himself physically so he should be okay in the English game but he's still at such an early point in the learning curve they're paying an awful lot for potential because at the present, I mean, he's he's not going to walk into the Wolves team. If if he was to get into a position where he played 
I don't know, even 10 or 12 Premier League games this season. I think he's done pretty well, given him, bearing in mind that he's he's, he's got no real first-team experience apart from some cameos to, to speak of in Portugal. Yeah, no, thanks for that, Andy. Now, let's pivot a little bit to France. I mean, you, you lived in France for a while. You, you're very up on that as well. Very interesting signing, and potentially one of the more... This sounds weird, but potentially one of the most important signings of the window, certainly for their club, is uh, Edouard Mendy going to Chelsea. Just because Kepa is having such a bad time there that, I mean, I've been joking, any goalkeeper with a pulse would be an upgrade, but we're, we're not that far <laughs> off. Now we can confirm that Edouard Mendy is in fact a goalkeeper with a pulse. What else can you say about him? He's, he's someone who's got a really interesting story because uh, if, if you go back four or five years... Um, He'd been binned from the professional game. You know, he 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 was unemployed. He was thinking of of, of quitting football altogether, and he's he's come up really really well. And he's he's only had one reels, only only two seasons really with a with a top level club with 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 Wren. So it is a leap to go to Chelsea. I mean, he's very good last year, and I, I think you look at the confidence with which he commands the penalty box I, I think that's something that's very very appealing must be very appealing to Chelsea but I think in going in for Mundy it, it sort of suggests two things one that um, Chelsea can't write off Kepper because they just spent too much money on him they, they, they can't just get rid of him there's no one out there really to to take him because and that's why they've they've not gone all in and spent, you know, fifty million on a keeper or whatever. And I suppose the other thing is, part of Mundy's job has got to be not to replace Kepper, but to compete with him. You know, because I think maybe there are, maybe they have completely written Kepper off. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see how financially they can do that. And I don't see how a goalkeeper who was thought by many people in Spain to be better than De Gea, to be the obvious pick for the Spanish national team, someone who looked for a long time like he was going to be an athletic legend. Or he definitely looked like he was going to be an athletic legend for that six months after he signed the contract extension before he did that 180 and signed for Chelsea anyway for an extraordinary amount of money. So I think money can be really good for Chelsea. I think the the early signs are good. But I don't think it's a case of simple replacement. I think there's going to be some competition between two. I think there should be some competition between the two. Because Kepa's too young to be written off as well, in my opinion. It's an interesting case for Mendy because he's not young, but because of the career he's had, the career trajectory, he's still yeah. someone who you sense is improving as a, as a footballer sure. and someone who has the raw material in terms of this extraordinary large frame he has and the great reach he has. And if you can polish his game, he could be a very good goalkeeper as a as a late bloomer, even by goalkeeping standards. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about him is if you compare him to another French goalkeeper, like Hugo Lloris, when he came over to, to Spurs... No pressure, but uh, <laughs> that that point you made about Mundy's frame is a very good one, I think, last because if if you look at a lot of people who are even supporters of Hugo Lloris, when they he came over to the Premier League, I thought he might struggle a bit with the physical side of it, that he might get battered when it comes to punching and taking crosses, whereas Mundy can handle himself in 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 that 
in that reign already so there's there's a sense that a lot of the work that he would have to do to get comfortable with the Premier League is kind of already there it almost gives him a head start so that's something that's really really positive for him and because from the fans perspective there are so many you know wouldn't trust Kepa to walk across the pub with a pint without spilling three quarters of it I think there will be such a a sense of goodwill behind Monday and a sense that they want him to do well he'll get that support as well Thank you very much. I think we'll call a time there, Andy. Thanks for taking time off and visiting the pod yet again. Another one, a returning guest. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Pleasure.